BTS with CTV Behind the Scenes, Behind the Stories, we bring you from the CTV Vancouver Newsroom. My name is Penny Daflos, and I'll be your guide behind the curtain to what may be the most horrifying car accident in recent memory. It's just a little bit hard to talk about, that's all. The family of Desiree Avancio had trouble finding the words for what happened to the young woman in Vancouver's downtown east side. She suffered life-altering trauma to her entire body when she was hit, then dragged by a vehicle for several blocks on Saturday around 12.30 a.m. It was only after he came to a stop that he did realize that this tragic accident had occurred. VPD said the driver is American. He looked pretty pretty shocked. With witnesses saying he'd been in a punk rock band that wrapped their show shortly before the incident. At first I thought she'd just been backed over so literally by the trailer and the uh, back of the van. As the details of the investigation unfolded. Serious collisions can be extremely complex to solve. One thing was heartbreakingly clear from the outset. Her life's going to be not the life she expected to live but she's alive and I know my Desiree she is a fighter. Avancio's broken limbs have doctors unsure how much mobility the 24-year-old could regain and they're already talking about the potential for a face transplant with the damage so extensive a prosthetic eye is inevitable. Her vitals are good and her heart's beating but she's just in the bed waiting to she doesn't know the severity of what she's gone through. For this story I'm bringing in Ahmad Agahi for his first appearance on BTS with CTV so thank you so much for being here Ahmad. It is good to be talking about this because obviously we've been talking about this off the air for so long and uh, I feel like some people that uh, may share the same thoughts and conversations that we have about this. I wanted to take the listener through step by step how this story unfolded for the journalists covering it. Um, we have access to um, different information that can lead us to different house fires, uh, motor vehicle accidents, different incidents um, around the Metro Vancouver area. And in this case, um, somehow our overnight uh, cameraman found out about a comes across struck. A pedestrian was struck on uh, East Hastings Street. Um, he went as he normally does. It was uh, Chris Mineta that night and got a whole bunch of footage at the scene. He found a van with Illinois plates towing a trailer. Uh, he got there after the ambulances had already left is what we've seen from his footage. And then it was uh, you, Ahmad, the next day who were tasked with uh, trying to figure out uh, details about exactly what happened here. Because for people who may not be familiar with Vancouver, East Hastings is the um, epicenter of the downtown east side. There's a huge homeless population in that area. The speed limit is actually 30 kilometers an hour. They reduced it years ago because so many people were hit by vehicles. So at first blush, it sounds like, oh, somebody who may have been under the influence or through whatever circumstances stumbled into the middle of the road and was hit. But right away, there were indications this was not your normal story. So let us know, Ahmad, um, when you started covering it, what kind of triggered your new sense in there? Yeah, I mean, it was, of course, what we always think on that stretch of uh, East Hastings. It's, it's a dark area. There's people that walk onto the street wearing dark clothing late at night. So it, it was really easy to fall under that type of pattern. It's, this is going to be that story. And uh, it, let's go ahead and tell it because it's our job to tell it. And I think the one thing that uh, surprised our newsroom on the weekend is that right away the police were uh, able to uh, meet with us in person and give us an interview, which doesn't happen on the weekends normally. Uh, if it is uh, an information that we need to tell the story, they will give it to us in an email or uh, in a phone call even, or not reply at all. But this case, they were willing to um, 
interview with every media outlet. So right away there was a, a sense of urgency that uh, uh, should have, you know, told us how serious this really is. And so in that interview, we learned um, some details that uh, uh, were unusual about a case of a pedestrian struck, and that uh, right away made it an even bigger story. Um, I think we were one of the first to uh, know about this incident because we had staff working overnight and staff working early in the morning. And then um, throughout the day, as I was driving around gathering uh, interviews and footage for the story, I could see that other media outlets, especially in the radio, were now starting to talk about this. And the I think the moment that uh, uh, the information about um, alcohol being a factor came out, it just certainly escalated the story up another uh, level of seriousness because uh, it's something, a topic that everyone is sensitive to. Um, so right away, it had those uh, news determinants of it being... Um, you know, a suspected or possible drunk driver, and that uh, kind of pulls on everyone's cords. And that was first uh, why we thought maybe this should lead our show, and it did, of course. You know, we learned a lot more about it after that. Was it at that point that you knew that um, she had been dragged as well and that the driver somehow did not know? There was also, the woman was unidentified, and I think, didn't they say that she was in her 40s? They suspected that the victim was in her 40s? Like, this was a whole lot of stuff all coming out. We did not know who had these serious injuries, who'd been dragged for how many blocks down there? Yeah, and they had given us a small amount of information about the victim, and they said it was a woman in her 40s, which... uh, it kind of feeds the first scenario that comes to mind someone um, a little bit older on East Hastings, but um, it didn't really help us go in the right direction of, of being more um, or, or hunting for more information right away because it was so vague. Actually, I think the, the first interview I did with the Vancouver police, they actually had recommended that we spread the word that if anyone knew of a family member or friend that was in the area that night and they hadn't heard from them, they should talk to them, which is very unusual. And obviously it does speak to... Uh, tragically the the injuries that the victim may have um, had that very moment of that night and also I think you were the one that mentioned if she did have identification or a bag it unfortunately is an area where that doesn't lay around the road too long Um, so that was very unusual to have this type a victim in this type of incident and not know who it was. Then we ended up with an email into our newsroom which um, sometimes people will reach out to us. And um, in this case, it was a woman saying that she was the sister of this victim and laying out some appalling injuries. Because usually when we cover a pedestrian who's been hit, we get really vague information from the police. We'll say, oh, minimal injuries or a couple broken bones. They don't usually go into a lot of detail because it's usually quite straightforward. They say it was dark. It was raining. Somebody was speeding or distracted. It's it's pretty, I don't want to say cut and dry because each investigation is unique, but it's relatively straightforward. In this case, we have a pedestrian with serious injuries who's unidentified. They don't even know how old this person is. And suddenly we get an email from a woman with horrible details about what this pedestrian has actually gone through. Yeah, and, you know, it it sounds bad, but it's not our job to investigate this incident. So as a news reporter, once you do get all the information that you have from the police out, and you have to move on to the next story. And so that's what we did. The very next day, um, I think we were, it was Thanksgiving Monday, and we were moved on to other stories because we had told 
that story with all the information we had. And it wasn't until like one or two o'clock in the day that we got that information from the victim's sister. And then I think everything changed because that was, uh, although I was in charge of a different story, that's the the story about the our victim here and, and what had happened to her was top of mind because now we knew there was, we knew what injuries uh, she had um, suffered. We knew... We had a picture of her at that moment, which, uh, you know, appeals to you as a person right away when you see uh, a person, a picture, and then you also know the the details of what's happened to that person. That is is quite powerful, I think. And so that's when we started to talk to some family members of the victim. And um, initially it had been emails and text messages and you just tell right away with the language that her sister uh, used in a text message. She said it, she couldn't meet up that day because it was a very busy day at the hospital, which means that, you know, there's a thousand other things that are going through her mind and she's going through and her family's going through that uh, we can never understand. So that's when I think this story I kind of took a little bit of a turn and our urgency here on our side started to uh, grow as well. Especially because the nature of the injuries that they're outlying, I mean, a jaw that is not recognizable as a jaw anymore, a serious head trauma, uh, the loss of an eye, uh, broken limbs, uh, just horrible, horrible details that you, your heart goes out to this person and you're like, oh my God, she, of course somebody who was dragged is going to have serious injuries, but you don't think that their face is going to be crushed. So when I, I, I picked up the baton from you on the, um, I guess it was the Tuesday morning or maybe it was the Monday morning. I, I, I picked it up and I tried to get in touch with the sisters and um, Desiree Avancio, who's the name of, of this victim, she has two sisters, one in Ontario and one locally here. The sister here ended up getting in touch with me and agreeing to an interview that was so hard because we have a detachment for our stories. Like we, you know, you try your arm's length, distant from the details and from the people, but this sister was just so distraught. She could barely talk about her sister's injuries because she lost an eye. Um, and what really struck me in speaking with her was the detail that Desiree Avancio did not even know how seriously she'd been injured because she was bandaged up three ways from Sunday. Of course, she had to be. And she couldn't speak with them. And when I'd asked her, um, Ashley, Dan, uh, her sister, I'm like, well, have you been to the hospital today? And she said, no. The doctors, we were there yesterday and the day before, and the doctor said, try not to come by so much because Desiree is getting so agitated because she can't communicate. Maybe just like, you don't have to be here every minute because it's only making things worse. I mean, how can you as a sister not want to be there for your sister? But so that added an extra layer of human tragedy that this poor girl doesn't even know how badly she's injured. I asked the VPD about this case uh, as well that day because we, we knew that we were getting details from the family and we were going to name the victim. And they were really clear that it was going to be a complex investigation. It was going to take a really long time. And they were trying to figure out exactly how. Because I asked them, I'm like, how is it that somebody can drag somebody for five blocks and not know that they've hit them? Because they were very clear. The driver didn't even know that they were there. And they didn't really have a lot of answers. They said, well, you know, these things are complicated. It's, it's really tough to tell. 
Then, uh, you know, my story went up naming the victim and I start seeing a whole bunch of replies and tweets and things coming forward, including from somebody who was there and said, well, her body popped out of the back of the trailer. And I'm like, what are you talking about? So I started sending messages uh, with uh, somebody who it turns out had been at a punk rock show in the downtown east side that night. And he was the one who told me that it was a band that had been playing that night. And he said it was the most surreal thing that he'd ever seen in his life for this van to pull up. Someone starts screaming that there's a woman behind it. A body pops out and the guy he sees get out of the, the vehicle and standing there is a member of the band that he'd just seen performing mm -hmm. a, a short time ago. So all of a sudden now there's this extra, wow. So it was a touring punk band that was somehow involved in this incident not exactly clear how, but so then breaking that story opened up a whole nother can of worms because then people got really upset that the police were suggesting that it was impaired driving. And then, well, who was impaired? Was it potentially the pedestrian? And I'm like, no, like, I, I, I understand that you're fans and that, you know, pe people want to defend somebody that they feel that they know in a band or sometimes it happens with like celebrities, actors, whatever. But in this case, the, the police were unequivocal that they suspected that the driver was impaired, but they were saying from the beginning that they weren't sure what role the impairment played. So now you've got a scenario where there's this band involved. They've suspended their tour. I got in touch with the front man and he didn't want to talk a lot of details because there was this investigation underway. And I can understand because the suggestion that somebody could have been involved with something like this that would really mess you up as a person, but also like this band is their business. So, you know, they put everything on hold in order to address this. Um, and the VPD were really clear with us though, that they did not, they said that the driver's American, they didn't identify him as a band member, but they said that they uh, are unable to keep him in the country unless they're, they have reason to think that he's not going to cooperate with the investigation. And some people were quite upset with that, but that's kind of the, the steps that have to be taken. And I think that people, there's just not a lot of understanding of the system. So we can only report what we're told by officials and by witnesses, and we can't make that extra leap um, in in reporting on a story like this. Yeah, and it, it, I guess one of the first things that uh, we talked about how un unusual the story was, that was one of the things that we also talked about on the very first day. We saw the uh, Illinois parking or license plates and uh, you know, we did have footage of a few people who were being sp spoken to by the police, and um, there was a, a shot with a breathalyzer. And and you know, if, uh, for me, just being having gone to a lot of rock shows and, and things like that, right away, that's what kind of crossed my mind. I was like, this looks like someone who would be in a band. Let's trace that back. This looks like a trailer with equipment into it, and a van maybe that you tour around if you're a small band that's playing shows every night in you know small venues and then that was something that kind of jumped out to me right away and made this uh, a little bit more interesting that angle that you just spoke about that you got were able to confirm essentially um but it is just another twist in this story that uh, uh, is is making it so complex to report on i'm sure it's very complex to investigate and of course now it has a lot of players in it it has people who were at the show uh, did they uh, see this band and and did they see that uh, uh, this 
band was performing a show that involved a lot of you know drinking on the stage you know stuff like that or um was this band um playing loud music in their uh, van when they were driving and is is that part of the reason that uh, no one in the car um was able to notice that a pedestrian was being dragged by their trailer. And one of the other things that really made this, again, hard to report on without the details that we have now on the very first day is because all the shots that we had seen, the investigators on the scene with flashlights were looking more or less the front of the vehicle, a little bit on the side of the vehicle, a little bit on the back, but nothing that hinted that this pedestrian had gotten caught where she did. And it's just the thing. I mean, we as I think journalists try really hard to get all of the facts right and without being able to report the assumptions that we have. And uh, it just speaks to how difficult it is to get a story that's this complicated right when you have one crack at it at six o'clock and obviously online but it's just I guess one of the things that is a good example of what I'm just talking about is it's very tough to sometimes report on things that are also tough to investigate I would say. Well, and especially, I mean, I saw a lot of the Reddit comments and a lot of the social media comments. Well, obviously this, and how come the lamestream media isn't saying that? Well, you know what? A, a private citizen can say whatever they want online. They can make assumptions. The, the viewer, the reader, anybody who's consuming the news can come to whatever conclusions that they want. We have an obligation and a responsibility to only report what we know. And sometimes that can be difficult because you get conflicting witness reports. Sometimes you get all sorts of other stuff that's going on. So we can only take us where um, the documentation or the facts that we have as we know them. And it's about attribution as well. I mean, if the VPD are saying something, then we report it as the VPD are saying, as a witness is saying. But we're not just putting anything out there. And that's why when the VPD wouldn't confirm that it was a band member driving, and I don't know which person potentially it was that was driving, we had to be really careful with our language because we saw a member of the band in our footage standing with a VPD officer with a breathalyzer behind police tape. Is that for sure the person who was driving or were there several people in the van that they're gonna breathalyze everybody because they weren't there to see who got out from behind the wheel? I can't make that assumption, you can't make that assumption and that's why sometimes when people are like, oh, well, why did you word it like that? It's because I have to be careful. I don't know that for a fact. All I can tell you is what our documentation has and the fact that there was no damage to the front of that van, uh, that people were telling us that, you know, something happened towards the back of it. And that's why uh, through some of our our contacts uh, on this story, um, it came to our attention that there is surveillance video painting a very different picture now. Um, I've spoken with the VPD and this story has, again, taken another turn in the wake of tremendous fundraising and an outpouring of support from the public, uh, this fundraiser for Desiree Vancio is is at this point uh, nearly $200,000 to help this poor woman whose life will never be the same. They can't even start working on her limbs with surgeries because they. Um, her sister updated the uh, GoFundMe page to let people know that the surgical team was able to use mus- muscle and tissue from her stomach to cover the area of her brain that was exposed and seal it off. These are the kind of injuries we're talking about. We find out from Vancouver police that there is surveillance video showing that it appears that Desiree was in fact walking over the trailer hitch between the van and the trailer 
as the vehicle was stopped at a red light that night. So now all of a sudden it makes sense why the driver didn't know she was there. How, what would you have seen? What would you have heard? I mean, this was a, like a panel van essentially is what it was. And who knows how much gear was stacked in the back if they, the rear view mirror would have even been working, uh, would have even been um, something that they could rely on. And it is absolutely devastating now to hear that she likely put herself in a situation that ended up with consequences that are, it's just one of those, like as a human being, you're just like, man, one mistake. And the outcome for that is just so disproportionate to the error that was made. I just, this news is like a couple hours old to us right now, and I'm still kind of trying to, to grapple with the magnitude of it. Yeah, and I guess it just shows how fragile like life can be for someone. And uh, as you mentioned, something that small that obviously is from the outside, it's easy to say she shouldn't have done that or she shouldn't have put herself in that position. But obviously she wasn't thinking of the consequence um, and what was going to happen next. But it is hard to hear all of this. It's hard to hear, but you know, as if it's your police officer, your surgeon, your journalist, or your person, it's just hard to hear this stuff. Uh, it's hard to hear about the injuries. It's hard to hear about the fact that uh, what's next for Desiree? Two hundred thousand dollars. Yes, that's a lot of money, but it's nothing compared to the the life that she's going to have to live and how much of a burden uh, that's going to put on her, her future, um, uh, her family. Um, so it's just that's what I would say. It's just hard to hear, and of course, it must be hard to report as well because um, what's happened to this woman, it, it's just hard to talk about. But now you have to get into the details. I mean, she doesn't sugarcoat that surgery. You, we can't sugarcoat it either for for our viewers. I mean, it's just really devastating, but it's also just important as. A citizen to hear about these things that happen to people that live in your city and happen on in your city and it's just I think important for people to know about what happened and it's hard like this this story is actually one of the reasons that I, I wanted to do a podcast like this because all of our reporting is just fact-based it's this has happened this is the consequence this is how people are feeling about it but it's not like it comes without a personal cost for us to hear these details. We don't even report on everything. There's things that people tell us off the record that we're not going to uh, report on, but that just leave us with a burden on a story like this where there is an obligation to tell things accurately, but there is also an obligation to kind of express the human toll that this takes. And I think that you know, it's one thing to just put the facts out there. It's another thing to craft something into a story that hopefully people will pay attention to. And unfortunately, it looks like this is going to be one of those stories where don't do that. Don't you remember that girl? Yeah. And, you know, we've had these stories before and, and the consequences. I mean, you know, we, we've seen video of people um, climbing between uh, train cars and stuff when they're stopped. You know, like it, everyone's like, oh, well, that's a stupid idea. But how often do we really see the consequences of a careless moment or a, just a, you know, a really quick darting across the street and, and for a shortcut. Yeah, who doesn't jaywalk? I mean, who doesn't do that? Do you think what could happen to you if you do? No, because the chances are so little. And I think that's what we're seeing in this story. 
Emad, thank you so much for coming onto the pod. Um, I really appreciate your thoughts like this, and um, I hope that we'll be able to uh, cover Desiree's recovery going forward because that's going to be another um, difficult story in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And I do hope that we are able to tell the story of her recovery. Uh, it will be a story that we are able to, to tell people, and, and it comes into some sort of conclusion that uh, uh, is easier to accept than what happened, I think, for people. And thank you for joining us on BTS with CTV. And I hope you'll check out my colleague Binder Sudgeon's Lady at the Ledge podcast, combining politics, current events, and Binder's smart and sassy take on the big issues of the week. Is there a topic you'd like me to cover on a future episode of this podcast? Email me, bts at ctv.ca. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe for more insights, tidbits, and the stories behind the stories. I'm Penny Daphos.